the Americhicks with Molly Boats and Kim Monson. The most important stories. They are like this newfound, off-hinged part of the left. Even Chuck Schumer's pushing back on. The latest in politics and world affairs. The buck is stopping with Trump. The different administrations prior to him have been kicking the can down the road on a number of issues. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. The heart of this is, is the U.S. Constitution a progressive document, or is it something that should be looked at as an original document? It's the Americhicks. Molly and Kim. Because face it, ideas matter. Because ideas matter. Boy, do ideas matter. That is for sure. Welcome to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson. Molly's out for the week. Uh, we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. We need to talk to each other out there. So be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com, and sign up for our emails. We will let you know about upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And we are the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, And in that light, we are very excited about an event that will begin on January 28th, a Monday night, 5 to 8 p.m. We are partnering with the Dr. Tom Cranowitter team to bring you Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. Uh, Dr. Cranowitter, if you know him, he is, uh, he is, he's really one smart guy, and he's creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. And we will meet the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019 and uh, go through the Federalist Papers. So, Go to americhicks.com and sign up. Uh, reservations are coming in briskly. So if you want a spot, you need to be sure and sign up. It's $20 uh, per event. Uh, if you actually buy the complete subscription, there's some special things, and you, you know that you will have a spot at each of the events. Uh, so be sure and sign up. It's going to be awesome, and uh, that is americhicks.com. The link is right there. So, Steve. Before you dig in, can I do a disclaimer? You surely can, producer Steve. Listeners, we, we now return you to the caffeinated version of Kim Munson. <laughs> That's for sure. Yesterday, I had to do the preliminary for my uh, initial or my annual physical, which meant I could not eat or have anything except water for 14 hours. And I like my coffee in the morning. So, Steve, uh, <laughs> it was uh, I was a little cranky yesterday. So, um, anyway, yes, we are back to the caffeinated uh, Kim Munson, that's for sure. And uh, before we start in, a little a little funnies here. So, Steve, little Susie wanted $100 very badly. She prayed for two weeks and nothing happened. So she decided to write God a letter requesting the $100. Well, when the postal authorities received the letter addressed to God, they decided to send it on to President Trump. And President was so impressed, touched, and amused that he instructed his secretary to send Susie a $5 bill. He thought that this would appear to to be a lot of money for a little girl, and Susie was delighted with the $5. And so she sat down and wrote a thank you note to God, and this is what it said. It said, Dear God, thank you very much for sending the money. However, I noticed that for some reason you had to send it through Washington, D.C., and as usual, those crooks deducted $95. Thanks, Susie. The kid is spot on. <laughs> That's for sure. How old did she say she was? She was just a kid. That's why she was so wise. Okay, yeah. Uh, All right. Okay. So let's jump into it, though. Last night was President, President Trump's speech regarding addressing the border shutdown, 
as well as the crisis at the border. And uh, it was a very important speech. And, of course, then Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer uh, had their response, which, Steve, I had to chuckle. When, when they came on, I just said under my breath, this looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. And then somebody, one of the commentators, as I was listening after the two uh, speeches, they said, that looked like a, a Saturday Night Live skit. It was, it was absolutely, I'm mean, like, who did those optics? Uh, because they're normally pretty, try to be pretty good on optics. And they look like, um, it was comical. Almost like American Gothic to a degree. You know, the, far, the farmer with the pitchfork standing next to his wife. I mean, both, not, not a smile. And we always see Nancy with that quirky smile uh whether it's her meds or what but uh (laughs) but last night i mean she was stone-faced well that's probably what they told her to do and uh so let's jump in here first thing i wanted to highlight uh the beginning of the speech he's uh president trump said there is a growing humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border everyday customs and border patrol agents encounter thousands of illegal immigrants trying to enter the country Steve, we know that is true. He said, America proudly welcomes millions of lawful immigrants who enrich our society and contribute to our nation. But all Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal immigration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. Among those hardest hit are African Americans and Hispanic Americans. Our southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of illegal drugs, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year than were killed in the entire Vietnam War. In the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests, of aliens with criminal records, including those charged or convicted of 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes. If you're a woman, you should be pretty concerned about that, and 4,000 violent killings. Over the years, thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who illegally entered our country, and thousands more lives will be lost if we don't act now. There is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart, a crisis of the soul. Then he goes on to say that last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States. A dramatic increase. They are using these children, Steve. That's my editorial comment. And then the president says, these children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. One in three women are sexually assaulted on the dangerous trek up through Mexico. Women and children are the biggest victims by far of our broken system. This is a tragic reality of illegal immigration on our southern border. This is a cycle of human suffering that I am determined to end. Let's hit that first soundbite then. This is the tragic reality of illegal immigration on our southern border. This is the cycle of human suffering that I am determined to end. My administration has presented Congress with a detailed proposal to secure the border and stop the criminal gangs, drug smugglers, and human traffickers. It's a tremendous problem. Our proposal was developed by law enforcement professionals and border agents at the Department of Homeland Security. Okay, let's go to the next soundbite. Senator Chuck Schumer 
who you will be hearing from later tonight, has repeatedly supported a physical barrier in the past, along with many other Democrats. They changed their mind only after I was elected president. Democrats in Congress have refused to acknowledge the crisis. And they have refused to provide our brave border agents with the tools they desperately need to protect our families and our nation. The federal government remains shut down for one reason and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. Okay, let's talk about the solution. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting. I have invited congressional leadership to the White House tomorrow to get this done. Okay, and let's go ahead and do that uh, next one regarding the immorality of the barrier. Some have suggested a barrier is immoral. Then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences, and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. The only thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. Okay, and uh, let's go to the next one then. Yo, just like you, when you like when you your first thought about this looks like a Saturday Night Live skit, and then somebody else said it. This next thing is a question I've been asking for the last I don't know year. Okay, in terms of how much more? I mean, they, they accuse him of exaggerating and you know making up stuff, but this particular thing he's talking about right here and now, this is not exaggeration. This is reality. Okay, let's hear it. How much more American blood? must we shed before Congress does its job? To those who refuse to compromise in the name of border security, I would ask, imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife, whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. Steve, to that particular point of the blood that is being shed, just within the last week, we had that young 33-year-old police officer in California who was gunned down by an illegal immigrant. He leaves behind a little five-month-old child. When we talk about the separation of children from their parents, this is, and uh, Ronald Singh, Singh, who was the uh, police officer, was a legal immigrant, I believe, from Fiji. Yes. It had been his dream to come here. And because of this uh, illegal immigrant, that little five-month-old baby is permanently, permanently, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, now I'm losing the word, you know, uh, no longer going to be with his father. And uh, and so we need to to, to take you know, take a look at that. And when I have talked to any of the people that are doing the NPR, you know, pushback, and when we're hearing all of the kind of the left media uh, talking points on this, and I bring up that little baby, 
they just move on to the, ne- the next point. They do not even acknowledge American blood that is being spilled because of illegal immigration. Well, I see the smug uh, Schumer and Pelosi in, in all their every time they stand up behind a mic. And my first thought is, what if this were somebody close to you? How can you overlook the Kate Steinleys and the Molly Tibbetts and then this California police officer and many more? Uh, how can you overlook that? That is not an exaggeration. Again, that's reality. But Steve, they live behind, they live in houses with fences around them. They have armed guards that protect them in, uh, in Washington, D.C. And so they don't believe that it's going to happen to them. And for some reason, they don't step up to the plate and have their, their responsible duty of what they are supposed to do for the American people. They believe it's not going to happen to them, but it's okay to happen to the little people. Because you know what? They don't ultimately, they don't really care about the little people. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing. Now, we're going to go to break. Uh, We're going to take just a a quick little break also from this discussion because David DeMont, who is uh, a city councilman in Westminster, has a very interesting uh, scenario that's going on regarding uh, three of their city council people have 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 moved on, and uh, should they should their replacements be appointed, or should there be an election? So David reached out. Uh, I think it's a very interesting question to have. Before we do that, though, the NFL playoffs are here, and who moves on and who goes home is the question. But there is a bigger question. That's where will you watch the games? Well, Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. You can watch the NFL playoffs and the big game at Hooters. Special start at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings. You can come into any Hooters during the big game and enter to win a brand new 55-inch 4K HDR TV. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have Hooters wings delivered right to your doorstep and try their new smoked wings. They're delish and have only half the calories. So order your Hooters to go. Or have them delivered to your front door. I've got a bunch of the girls coming over tonight, Steve. I'm going to order Hooters and have them come right to my front door. Uh, More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the AmeriChicks and grow your business, contact them at AmeriChicks.com. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly and Kim, recommend Predovich and Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. 
And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Hey, welcome back. We are the AmeriChicks. Uh, I'm Kim Munson. Molly's out for the week. As you know, we dissect issues, news, politics, and opinions. Is right versus wrong instead of right versus left? Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. There's a lot of great information there. Sign up for our emails. And we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. One other thing, we're doing this great event with Dr. Tom Cranawitter, Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth, starting on Monday, 20, uh, January 28th, 5 to 8 p.m. at Water's Edge Winery. Uh, we are going to go through the Federalist Papers in 2019. Uh, reservations are coming in at a very brisk pace, so go to americhicks.com. The link is there, and sign up. Uh, we have on the line with us, we're taking a little break, break from our conversation regarding uh, last night's speech by President Trump with an important local issue that's happening right here in Colorado in Westminster. And uh, City Councilman uh, David DeMont is on the line with us. And uh, welcome. We've got about five minutes, Dave. What is going on up in Westminster? Good morning. Um, so essentially what happened is we had two members who were running for higher office. One um, won a seat for Adams County Commissioner. She was sworn in yesterday. One for the State House for HD 35, and she um, won her seat. So that created two vacancies. They didn't didn't resign right away. And then in the meantime, after they had got elected, um, a third member, our mayor pro tem at the time, Maria DeCambra, got called up to be the director of communications for um, Governor Polis, um, which then she resigned immediately where the other two didn't, meaning that we had three seats that were going to be filled. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've been calling for a special election, and our charter had actually said that there are three or more vacancies simultaneously in office that you'll go to a special election. And so the rub has been, what does that mean simultaneously? And legally, the opinion that we've got is that, it, uh, you know, they weren't all resigned, so they weren't simultaneous. And so they have offset. Um, we had, in the meantime, I had tried to go to a special election. I, I even made a motion in a meeting. It, it died for a lack of a second. Nobody uh-huh. wanted to have the discussion. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so we did, we had... The, the clock starts ticking. Our charter also says that if there's a vacancy occurs, we have 30 days to fill it. If we don't fill it, it goes to special election. So my colleagues basically read that as we have to fill it within 30 days. I read it as in if you don't fill it in 30 days, you know, our founders are smart enough to give us a provision if we feel that we should go to a special election. And, and I think if you go back to that three vacancies, the intent that I see is, our founders did not want to see 42% of the voting power of our city um, selected by the body of elected. And, you know, that's where the rub is. So, so far we've, we've replaced one. I continue to advocate that I think that we should just let this go to a special election. Um, you know, my colleagues disagree. And, you know, I don't, you know, there, there's two sides of, of it, two opinions. I'd say the public that I've spoke to has been more on the side of they want a voice in it. Um, they're concerned about, about, you know, how that's going to happen and who's going to get selected in mm-hmm. that process. Um, right. I, I'd say I will give my, my colleagues, we, we did a lot of hard work on Monday, and, and I think the process going forward, if we do go forward with two more appointments, is better than what we, we did for the first one. Under a time crunch, granted, we did, we, it was a quick turnaround that we had to do to meet 30 days when uh, Mayor Pro Tem uh, DeCambra resigned, but 
um, that's essentially where, where we are. And I continue to advocate and ask people, you know, look at, look at what the charter says and try to think about the intent. And, you know, our, our body is a representative body of the people of Westminster to be their voice. And that's my concern is, are we going to get the right representation for the, for the people of Westminster? Well, that is a very valid point. Thank you, first of all, so for having your eyes on that process. Very quickly, what is the action item, uh, Councilman DeMott, that you would like people to do? Um, Monday night, we're going to parse through whoever applies. There's a um, The application process closes on Thursday. Um, and then, you know, we're going to go through those applications and continue down the appointment process. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to try to convince my colleagues. What I would ask people to do is be engaged Monday night. We have a council meeting. We meet at 7 o'clock. There's always five minutes for anybody who shows up where you get to speak your voice. And, you know, even if you don't agree with me on this, I, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see people engaged and show up and let us know what you think, because ultimately I represent the people of Westminster, those who agree with me and those who don't. And, you know, I want to make sure that this process is as as possible, whether we appoint or not. And, and that means the people need to let their voices be heard. Okay, well, most definitely. And people could still apply by tomorrow if they want to put their by name tomorrow. in the hat, right? Yep, yep, they have till 6 o'clock tomorrow night. They can go to cityofwestminster.us and, and see about how the application process works. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Councilman David DeMont from Westminster. Yeah, Greatly uh, appreciate right. having eyes on the process. Yeah. Uh, so have a good day. We'll you have you. a great day as well. So, right. Okay, Steve, I'd like to jump into that very last soundbite that you pulled regarding President Trump uh, and his speech last night, please. The highlight of this is the, in my mind, <clears throat> He specifically states what the oath of office that he took, you know, what it means. And, uh, you know, that's the significance of this one. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what. I will always do. So help me God. You know, every one of uh, the elected officials take that oath of office. And the responsibility is to the American citizen. And I just took a quick look. Uh, Chuck Schumer has been in office since 1998. Nancy Pelosi has been in office since 1987. Producer Steve, it seems like there has been plenty of time for them to have addressed these issues. And and we shouldn't even have to be facing this at this particular time. So this isn't about solving a problem. This is about, I believe, power. Now, I wanted to make one other point. Uh, one of the narratives, Steve, out there is that government employees are not getting a paycheck. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, There's the implication, I saw a headline last night, that TSA employees, some of them are quitting. And I have to say, what kind of people are we? What kind of Americans are we? When, in essence, we have a border crisis, we have a humanitarian crisis, we have a security crisis. Now, as you, our listeners, know, one of the other things that I do is we have our World War II project, where I've sat across the table from over 100 World War II veterans who put it all on the line to stand against tyranny. Uh, They put it all on the line, and they were willing to make sure that that we could continue to, to, to keep our borders safe, to keep our people safe, that we kept freedom safe. 
and they were willing to risk their lives. Now, I know it's a little inconvenient right now for our, our federal employees to not be getting their paychecks. It is a little inconvenient. But you know what? When the shutdown stops, you will get your, pack, your back pay. And quite frankly, for TSA uh, employees out there, if in fact they don't care enough about the security of people getting on the plane that they're going to quit because of this, this shutdown, then I'm not sure that we really want them as employees either. And to that point, if in fact we are so concerned about the people that are getting on airplanes, shouldn't we be pretty darn concerned about the people that are coming into our country as well? And so I think that that we as Americans have to really think about those particular issues because um, Nancy Pelosi, who's been in office since 1987, and Chuck Schumer, who's been in office since 1998, have had ample time, and in fact, they have voted for border security in the past. But this isn't about border security with them. This is all about uh, power, and they now know that many of these illegals that are coming across the border, they look at them as, as potential voters, because these folks do not have to assimilate. They do not have to go through the citizenship classes to make sure that they understand the American idea. And if you don't understand the American idea and you think that you're coming here for a handout, uh, then in essence, you are going to vote for the people that are promising the handout. Steve, you had a quick thought? It has been said, and well said, I might add, that immigration without assimilation is invasion. Well, it is truly invasion. And uh, so President Trump needs to remain strong. Uh, Apparently, he's invited them all in today. He said within 45 minutes, we can get this taken care of. If you are concerned about the border, uh, the uh, government shutdown, then let uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer know that, you know, get to the table. uh, Give President Trump what he needs for border security. We can get the government uh, uh, back up and running. We'll have the border secure and Americans will rest a little easier. So that's how I feel about it. And God bless Donald Trump for the speech that he gave last night. Uh, So let's jump in. First of all, Jason McBride, any comments you want to make regarding the speech last night? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking, Kim. I, uh, I think for once Donald Trump should give Chuck and Nancy exactly what they want. Uh, They came out last night after the speech and said, well, all he talked about was fear and and this and that, you know, and I'll give him that. He kind of did. He talked about all the bad things that can and have happened because we don't have security and said he didn't talk about any facts. If I was Trump, I'd do another speech tonight and say, okay, here's the facts. Here's what our electronic technology could do at the border exactly. Here's exactly what drones could do. Here's exactly what part this would have. If I was him, I would factually describe all the pieces plus the wall and everything else and say this is how we would actually secure the border. Then what, what would they have to come back at him with? Well, and that's a good point. He did highlight those. Uh, that is all in the speech, but uh, oh, yeah. but but I think that he needs to hit that again because the fear that that they're talking about is a real fear. It's not this made up fear. It is actually people are dying because of this. So, uh, well, I agree. And who's uh, Chuck to talk about using 
uh, emotion to try to get your way. Isn't he the one that had fake crocodile tears running down his face after Trump uh, put on a travel ban? I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. So, hey, um, good comments on that. What about uh, what about the market? We've talked about a couple of the popular early year market indicators uh, the last couple of weeks that historically don't show uh, us a lot. Uh, what were those? Well, real quick, Kim, we talked about the January 1st indicator. Uh, that doesn't seem to have much useful data at all. Uh, we talked about the Santa Claus rally. <laughs> now, that has some history of predicting trouble if it doesn't happen, but it did happen this year, and when it does happen, it really doesn't mean anything. But today we have the new indicator, the first five days of January indicator. And that one seems to have some meat on the bone from what I can see. What do you think? Well, I would would definitely agree with you on this one. The first five days of January indicator uh, says this. If the market is up for the first five days of the year, uh, it portends good things. So going back to 1950 or 69 years, uh, over the first five days, the market's been up 43 times and down 26 times. And in the days or the years where the first five days were up, the market only had uh, losses of over 5% for the year, four out of those 43 times. Wow. So if we're up the first five days, we have a 91% chance of at least not getting kicked around for the next year. Well, that's a pretty good batting average, and so I'd agree with you. Now, in the 26 years we've been down for the first five days, 10 of those years we ended up with losses, uh, average losses of about 15%. But interestingly, 10 of the years we started down, we ended up with good gains for the year of about 18%. Okay, so it looks like a 50-50 proposition. Did we start up or down for the first five days of this year? Well, we did. So you're right, Kim. When we're down, this indicator doesn't help too much. But when we're up, it's pretty good. And the good news is this year, uh, the first five days, we were up 2.7%. So, of course, nothing's guaranteed in the markets, but... We do have some decent history on our side for this year that at least suggests uh, we might not get taken out behind the woodshed and shot this year. Okay, well, that's good. So I like this indicator. I like what it has to say. So Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. If you want more information, 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600, or chickspresidential.com. Jason, great info. Great to talk to you. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Okay, Kim. Have okay. a good one. Thanks so much. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, Carrie Lucas, who is the president of the Independent Women's Forum, wrote an amazing article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, an op-ed or commentary that said, check your progressive privilege. And it's, uh, she said, conservative women have been left out and stigmatized too long. So I think that probably ruffled a few of the feathers out there. We want to talk to Carrie Lucas about that. This is the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. 
Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Definitely, if you want to walk on sunshine and uh, want to figure out what you're going to do with your future, you've worked hard, the kids may not want the business, so it's time to sell, maybe, or maybe you've recently retired and you want to create some cash flow for the future, then it is time for you to buy a business. Chris Cantwell is a business broker with Transworld Business Advisors. He buys and sells opportunity. He's an advocate for entrepreneurship and the voluntary exchange of value between individuals and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. I love that. Uh, Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation to find out how Chris can help you buy or sell your business. Check out Chris's website. It's cccellscompanies.com. That's cccellscompanies.com. Let him know that you know the Americhicks. Uh, Great guy. So let's jump right in here, though. We have uh, Carrie Lucas, who is the president of the Independent Women's Forum, on the line with us. And she has written an amazing piece. It was back in December. Check your progressive privilege. She said progressives are constantly checking their white privilege. But what about ideological privilege? Carrie Lucas, welcome to the Americhicks. Thank you so much for having me on. Man, this is an important piece. You've got the guts to say what a lot of people may be thinking and what some people may be feeling, but they couldn't write, they couldn't put their brains around it. So tell us what you mean by check your progressive privilege. Yeah, you know, I think this is, a, I think we all have kind of over, over the years, especially been told from the left about all this unconscious bias that there exists in, in society. And I think it's, a, it's a, truly an interesting concept that, um, that as a member of the major, um, majority, you know, we take for granted things like people are going to speak our language, you're going to see people who look like you when you um, walk into stores or turn on the television. Um, but one thing it occurred to me is that, um, is that certainly as a, a conservative, um, I'd never expect to open a women's magazine and see my political views represented. In fact, I expect to see them demonized. Um, and it's progressive to enjoy the privilege of, of turning on the television and having this echo chamber that they have in, um, you know, in, in TV dramas, uh, on late night talk shows and basically throughout our culture. Every time you walk into a, um, a classroom, chances are there's going to be somebody on the left. The left's view is presented as normal. And that is a privilege. And it's one that has been very much taken, taken, taken for granted by the left. And I think it's time we start naming it and recognizing it for what it is. Well, and, you know, I, I see real danger in this uh, kind of ideological privilege, because then in essence, what they're doing is, is they're, they're kind of pulling out groups. Of course, the, the folks that are at the bottom of the, the barrel on this is the um, Caucasian heterosexual male, you know, our boys, our young men. Sure. And but so that there's that group that they're going after. But but conservative women are pretty darn close to that group as well, as far as far as being marginalized. And this has been going on for a long time, Carrie. Years ago, I had joined an organization, um, the Alliance of Professional Women. Uh, I, I also have been, I have my own business, I've been in the ladies' clothing business for many, many years. And then prior to that, I've been in the investment business. And 
in that, I, I started to feel that there was kind of these underlying um, kind of comments. In fact, many, many years ago, I would say 20 years ago, I was sitting in a board meeting and somebody was talking about politics. I think maybe George Bush was the president at that time. And one of the women said, I was so offended by what he had to say. And I, I kind of stepped back and I'm like, offended by what he had to say. Instead of like intellectually challenging what he had to say, uh, there was this narrative that I was offended. And so this whole privilege thing, I think, has been ruminating and percolating for a lot longer than we really realized. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, abs- you're absolutely right that it's been around for a long time. I do think there's been like kind of, and you know, just in, you know, in my lifetime, I think that, you, um, that and especially in the last couple of years, I, I think that there's been kind of um, an increase um, in the privilege or in the kind of the, the truly the discrimination and marginalization of conservatives. And that it's no longer just that we don't count or we're not as, um, as smart or as, sophisticated um it's that it's that often you'll see that that people the the presumption in the media or the implication in the media um is that we're bad people uh, that what motivates us is um is racism or um, an indifference to human suffering a desire just to enrich ourselves i mean you, you think about the the headlines and it, it's funny because you obviously the the women's magazines are struggling to um uh, to attract readers they're financially having trouble there's you know, Glamour just had to close down its print edition because of the um, lack of revenue. I and mean, then yet here they are after the 2000 and um, after this last election, you know, they have headlines that say things like, you know, half of, of white women continue to vote Republican. What's wrong with them? Um, you know, effectively um, insulting you know, a huge share of the people who are, um, who are reading it because they have an answer. They're not asking you what, what's wrong with these women. They're going to tell you. And it's that we're racist. Um, it really is just this it's very, you know, um, kind of startling that, that this idea that you could just make such sweeping stereotypes and, and negative accusations against any you know, this you know, large group of women out there who don't follow the progressive um, mindset. I think that's something we need to, you know, we need to talk a lot more about and challenge the media if this is really if this is really fair because there are there's implications. It's bad for conservatives, but it's also it's bad for liberals and it's it's bad for our country in general. Well, and there's no intellectual honesty. Uh, when you have these particular kind of, of uh, comments, there's no conversation. There's no real uh, kind of a sparring to try to figure out what the truth is. And uh, yeah. I, you know, being in the fashion business for so many years, you know, I used to take all the magazines. And I finally said, I, I finally said, no, you know what? I'm, I'm not subscribing to those anymore. And, and so you're seeing the free market is starting to shut these, these voices down but they continue yeah. on. They don't realize uh, that uh, uh, that in fact people, you know, may not want to hear just that particular side of the message. I'd like to see some conservative women that are being held up and and you know airbrushed and look beautiful, you know, like uh, <laughs> like they do with well, all of the yeah. the um, you know the progressives. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny, you know, there's been all this, like, I think it feel like it's real crocodile tears from the, the left saying, oh, gosh, you know, there's there's so few Republican, elected Republican women out there. It's terrible. It was, it was the year of the woman, but it was only among Democrats. Why are Republicans so mean to women? Uh, why are there so few women? Well, you think about it. You look at the experience. And obviously, I think Republicans, I, I wish the party did a better job supporting their female candidates 
um, and highlighting some of the great women that are out there. I think they, they do need to work on that. Um, but, man, when you look at the tr- different treatment that a Republican woman expects from the media compared to what a Democratic candidate expects from the media, you know, a Democratic candidate is going to be invited on, um, you know, on talk shows and have just absolutely spawning presentation of her with beautiful pictures, airbrushed, softball questions, and what Republican women mostly will expect to be ignored. Um, but if she's too successful, then she's going to be, um, you know, she's going to be made fun of. You, know, you look at somebody like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's, who's routinely called, called fat or had her, um, her people make fun of her looks. Um, and then you should, you're, if you're, your, your best case scenario is that you're going to have a really vicious um, presentation of yourself on, um, on Saturday Night Live. You know, is it any wonder that fewer conservative women want to sign up to be in the spotlight and speak up um, with these? You know, the, the Glamour magazine honors a whole lot of women every year and has this big celebration. You, you look through those pages, and there is never a conservative woman. <laughs> they, they, have, they have all you – know, they have these beautiful descriptions and these you know, just totally um, uh, whitewashed presentations of the, of the backgrounds of some of the, the Democratic um, leaders from you know, party activists to, to politicians – you know, they're just as a, you know, completely, completely shown as aspirational figures. And there's crickets when it comes to um, the female Republicans that are out there. It's really quite shocking. Well, and you know what, Carrie, I was just thinking about like uh, the, you know, the pictures are beautiful. I, I see these women like, oh, my gosh, yeah. in these magazines. <laughs> and then it seems like conservative women, you know what fluorescent lighting does to people? It's like, do, do you ever go in and you're like, turn those lights off? Because it's like conservative women get fluorescent lighting and they get all the airbrushing. Oh. but. It's uh, But, hey, we need to go to break. When we come back, though, another important uh, point that you made in your piece is that progressive women enjoy the benefit of the doubt when they say insensitive or prejudiced things. Coming to mind to me is Mrs. Clinton or uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Um, yeah. And uh, so let's go to break. When we come back, let's, let's kind of dig down a little deeper into that because there seems to be, again, you need to have, uh, the media has, needs to have intellectual honesty about this. And then I also think that we as Americans, we're pretty forgiving people. Uh, we also need to understand that sometimes, you know, when you're out there speaking, things may, come, may not come out the way that you want them. But it needs to be on both sides. And so let's go to break. When we come back, we're talking with Carrie Lucas. She is the president of the Independent Women's Forum. And this piece, this commentary that she has written, Check Your Progressive Privilege, it was in the Wall Street Journal back in December. It is an excellent piece. So, Carrie, we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine recently celebrated 30 years with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. The Americhicks, Molly and Kim, know Karen Levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. 303-877-7516. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. 
For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Okay, Steve, I remember when this song came out, I am dating myself. I'm not going to tell you my age, though, okay? <laughs> so, hey, this is the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson. Molly is out for the week. We dissect issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong, instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Check out our website, Americhicks.com. That's where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. And go to our website and sign up for our fabulous event, The Study of the Federalist Papers with Dr. Tom Cranowitter. It is our Vino and Veritas Wine and Truth, and uh, that starts on Monday, January 28th. Uh, we've got Carrie Lucas with the Independent Women's Forum on the line with us. Before we go to that, I need to give a shout out to Act Two Reforms. Tell you what, we need solutions for what's going on in Washington. And Act Two Reforms is a blueprint to adjust the division of power in Washington, D.C. for a more fair, disciplined, open, and transparent government, regardless of the political party in power. Act Two Reforms is part of the Article 5 Convention of the States Movement, and they are located right here in Colorado. They have five ideas to reign in Congress, or reign in Washington. Number one, suggest that we enforce the rule of law on all federal employees. Two, suggest we give Congress a quick tool to block new regulations. Three, suggest we apply term limits on both Congress and the judiciary. Four, suggest we make Congress account for all the claims on the federal budget. And number five, suggest that we sharply reduce the power of money in Washington, D.C. So if you think there's too much money or influence in D.C., check out act2blueprint.org. That's act2blueprint.org. Let them know that you know the Americhicks. And every one of us needs to do one thing today to make sure that we are a good citizen. So back to Carrie Lucas. Uh, President of the Independent Women's Forum, this piece that you've done, Check Your Progressive Privilege, is hard-hitting. I I think it's really important. But one of the things that you said in here, Carrie, is that progressive women get a pass when they make a comment, Uh, whereas, of course, conservative women are are really nailed at the cross on that. So uh, tell us, first of all, about Mrs. Clinton. What was your example there? Yeah, you know, Mrs. Clinton, I think it was, it was, um, it lasted just a couple weeks ago that she kind of carelessly, um, said, I'm referring to two, um, African American, I believe men, and just said something like, oh, well, they all look alike. And it was obvious that, yeah, I think we, we all knew she probably meant it as a, a joke, or that's like a, would be a terrible thing to say, and she was trying to be ironic. But man, it was the kind of thing that if you, if it would that happen from a, because it came out of a conservative's mouth, um, that person would have a lot of explaining to do, where the media kind of, you know, just um, passed it off. Everyone said, oh, no, no, we know she's joking. And, um, you know, she probably was. I'm not, you know, I don't think Mrs. Clinton's a, um, a racist. I don't, um, but, um, but that does show that they get that kind of benefit of the doubt, the assumption of, of innocence, or, oh, it was probably just a mistake. That's something that is really only afforded to people on, on the, the left, um, where people on the right are, have, um, have much more explaining to do anytime um, they say something to tell a joke that might come off wrong. Well, and when I heard her say that, I, I, it, I caught my ear. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I just about <laughs> fell off my chair. And then and to your point, I mean, I knew that she was going to get a pass. And I knew that yeah. if a conservative had said that, that they would have gone after them. You know, the, the main street media would have been talking about it for two days until the next thing came out. 
What about Ocasio Cortez? Uh, when she was on the with Anderson Cooper on sixty Minutes the other night, her comments regarding uh, not being factually correct. Uh, she indicated that that was okay because she had the moral high ground, that sometimes she says things that are clumsy, and so she restates her point. And again, she gets a pass on all that. What do you think about that, Carrie? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's 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 fun. It's absolutely. She's a, a perfect example of somebody who is absolutely awash in privilege, and that she is um, that she's the media. Uh, she can do no wrong. Um, they there's no fact fact checking of her. No kind of pushback on her. Frankly, completely un you know unrealistic kind of completely unmoored with reality um, policy proposals. Um, and you, even I was I thought that. This idea that that um, you know, she's been kind of painting this idea that everyone's attacking her dancing video. I haven't, I haven't, I can't, I haven't found one person, any one serious person. I'm sure there's somebody on Twitter has had something negative to say about her, but really, like no serious person um, making fun of her for for that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that um, to cr- criticize her of that dancing video, wasn't it? It's it's her ludicrous economic policy ideas. Um, but yeah, the media. You know, completely just takes her very, very seriously. Doesn't fact check check her. Makes it sound as though she's, um, you know, just just fabulous. There's no, there's, I can think of no conservative um, who has ever had such treatment um, from from the media as what she's getting now. I take her seriously. She is a socialist. She's 29 years old. She's getting all of this media coverage, and I don't think that we can take it, take what what her her policies are lightly. Uh, what would you recommend that we do uh, about these young, attractive socialists? They're great on social media. They come across great on on the screen. And, of course, then, again, they get the benefit of the doubt of all the airbrushing and all that kind of stuff as well. We need to take her seriously. What should we do? Yeah. You know, I think that, that one of the it's, – it's interesting. I feel like with our, our whole country and the kind of higher, like older generations, you know, we need to make sure that, that people do have more of a connection um, with history. Um, I feel like a lot of folks um, are totally disconnected with the history of socialism and what the kind of policies and the, the extreme, extreme – vision of government control and redistribution, what the consequences are of that. Because she's, you know, she's not talking about, uh, about Scandinavia or, um, or, you know, some of the, um, or Europe. Um, she's a, it's a much more, you know, she's a, a really command and control, um, government, you know, kind of the destruction of property, um, type of, of socialist. Um, and we've seen that. That's their examples, you know, right, right now. This is Venezuela. This is, she is, she is, suggesting ideas you're focusing on the consequences and the real life examples um you know i I remember i went to i went to um uh graduate school at at harvard um and i found the most kind of interesting and persuasive um people talking about the dangers of of leftism were people who had lived through um eastern europe who had lived lived under who said you know do you really understand what you're talking about um because i think a lot of people today um you know the the, um you know a 29 year old probably has and thought much about what happened with a real misery and real suffering um, that the government can cause um, when when it's given that kind of power. Well, and Ocasio-Cortez graduated from Boston University, and she had, let's see, a a degree in um, international relations, and her minor was in economics. Now, this is what our universities are starting to 
kick out. Now, of course, the fact that you went to Harvard is like, okay, okay. But I think that we need to rethink as, um, colleges and university educations. And quite frankly, whoever paid for her education, particularly in economics, I think that they need to get their money back. Uh, <laughs> and, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. This is, it is, um, uh, thinking about, about the, the lack of just kind of basic fundamentals on, um, on how, you know, how, like, how, how the basic laws of supply and demand seem to be um, to be missing, to be completely absent from a lot of that. And I do think our universities are are doing a disservice um, to the to the country. Well, you know, and let's finish up on your piece. Uh, what do you think about this women's march uh, that will be occurring? What probably sometime this month, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the 19th, and, and it's, you know, it's funny because I think one of the first examples of our best examples of privilege is the very fact that it's called the Women's March. It's not the Women's March. It's the far-left, socialist, um, <laughs> radical, progressive Women's March. These aren't women aren't marching for me, um, but that's how, they, how it is you know, the mainstream media has allowed them to kind of pretend or, or to create this idea that they are representative of just the average, average woman, when of course they're not. They're a very extreme political group um, that don't represent, that are far to the left of most Americans. You know, okay, and and we only have a couple of minutes, but Carrie, you you have a solution. Uh, In your piece, you talk about rooting out bigotry. You said it's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I think the conversations like this, and just, I feel like as a a conservative, you you hate to be a whiner and say, oh, you know, the the media treats us unfairly. Um, But I think having it as a a different context and explaining it as privilege is something we've recognized. It's a real real phenomenon. This idea of white privilege um, is real. And it was something you, I remember the first time I kind of read through some of the texts about it and said, oh, it is, you know, it is, it's interesting. And it's, um, and it is kind of um, an important thing to think about that this idea that I take for granted that um, that the kind of the um, generic color of band-aids is going to match my skin and that this is that the people I see are going to look like me and have kind of a, a shared background. You know, it's important for us to kind of recognize things like that. It really is. It's, um, it's something that I think is, is valuable and it, well, that the left um, has kind of pushed on us to have kind of have that thought. Well, it is worth, you know, we need to, we need to kind of challenge them and say, um, okay, but now take a walk in my shoes and what it's like to be a conservative um, and how silenced and marginalized um, we have we feel when we look at what's going on in the media. You know, people who wonder why it is that there's that um, President Trump's um, kind of condemnations of the media uh, resonate with so many people and really so many people are applauding him. Um, and it's for this reason. It's because the, the press has uh, the, so many people feel as though the press hasn't been giving one side, uh, a side that represents a whole lot of folks, that a whole lot of people have been really given um, the short end of the stick. So that's why the press should recognize that the, you know, they made this possible, that the President Trump would um, would be able to lambast them. And it is because you know, they haven't just been unfair to him or to politicians like him. They've been unfair to all of us. Well, Carrie, we only have about a minute, but I just wanted to make a point regarding white privilege. My grandmother, um, my great-grandmother immigrated from Germany, and she came over basically as an indentured servant. She worked for a family in Omaha to, to basically pay for her passage. And then she, was, she married my great-grandfather, who whisked her off to the plains of western Kansas, where they raised, two, or they, they raised seven kids in a two-room sod house. Now, wow. and so it it wasn't white privilege that, that created the opportunities that, that I have now. They worked hard. 
you know, I've worked hard and we want to make sure that every individual has that opportunity. This victimhood and chip on the shoulder that so many people have and they look back at their ancestors and say, my ancestor was fill in the blank. You know what? You have the opportunity now. And when you look at the economic advantages of what is happening in this Trump economy, the fact that the, that we have the lowest black and Hispanic um, unemployment in in history, you know, this rising tide will will raise all boats. But it is chipping away at the power of these radical progressive women uh, that you are talking about. So, Carrie uh, Lucas, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, love having you on. We've got to have you on again. Let me know when you get your Great. next piece uh, published, because I love your thinking on this. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. OK, that was Carrie Lucas. She is the president of the Independent Women's Forum. So today, read great books. Think great thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen to well uh, to those people around you. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And in the words of Superman's byline, strive for truth, justice, and the American way. So discipline. No horse gets anywhere until it's harnessed. No steam or gas drives anything until it's confined. No Niagara is ever turned into light and power until it is uh, funneled. No life ever grows great until it is focused dedicated and disciplined. The author is Harry Emerson Fostick. Uh, this is the AmeriChicks. Have a great day. God bless you and God bless America. I don't want to cry, but tell them if I don't